Dadhood. Modern Dadhood Podcast. <laughs> Hello, Mark. Adam, is that you? That's me. How are you? Oh, oh better now. The sun is shining, at least where I am. It's shining here as well. You're listening to yet another okay. episode. <laughs> I can't, not with that, not with that sound. You're listening to another episode of the podcast Modern Dadhood, which is an ongoing conversation about the joys, challenges, and the general insanity of being a dad in this moment. Tell us who you are. Oh, right. My name is Mark Cheggett. I did the Cheggett thing again. Let me try that again. <clears throat> my name is Mark Cheggett, and I am a dad of twin boy toddlers. And my name is Adam Flaherty. I'm a father of two. They're both girls, and they're six and three years old. Well, the last two episodes of Modern Dadhood have been pretty heavy. Heavy, heavy topics for heavy times. Yeah, we've been chatting about some fairly complex issues, and they can weigh pretty heavily on all of us as parents. So I was thinking that for today, maybe we could lighten it up a bit. What do you think? That's a great idea. That, that's right. Today, we are going to talk about... The afterlife. No, um, what do you say we just talk about pee and poop? I like it. Okay. It's something that we all go through as parents. You're going through it right now. Yes, indeed. What are we talking about? Potty training, my good friend. Yep. Potty training. <laughs> That's right. And today's guest is a friend, a business associate of mine, and someone who I have a lot of respect for, a lad by the name of Evan Ozimek Mayer, and he's going to be joining us shortly to talk about his potty training experience. I mean, he's potty trained his his daughter. Oh, it's not him. Okay. All right. Makes sense. He's experiencing it as a dad. Got it. Okay. Thanks for clarifying. Before we bring Evan into the conversation, I'd love to hear about how things are going with your family and the boys. Are they uh, are they full-time in undies at this point? Uh, they are. Well, let's see. I'll put a percentage to it. I would say they're 80% of the time in big boy undies. Not bad. Yeah. Not yeah. Bad. Yeah. I'm, o I'm only 90% right now as a 38-year-old man. Are you so just commando the rest of the time? They're close. You know, let's leave that up to, uh, let's, let's, <laughs> I know let's where my imagination's going and it's not pretty, man. <laughs> no. Yeah. We're, I mean, we're, we're, we're still, I would say in the thick of it, although I would, I would say we're on the, maybe the, the tail end of it, but I, I think, I think it's, it's hard to tell how much still that we have to, to get through. Um, you know, it, it, sort of at times feels like it could last for quite a while still. Um, but I don't, we're not quite sure yet. Mm. How many weeks are you into potty training? Three, three, four weeks or something? Yeah. We're like three weeks, three and change, maybe weeks. Um, and they are leaps and bounds beyond where they were obviously in the beginning. One of my sons took to it a little bit faster than the other. Um, and I should say the other one's actually being just kind of resistant in a way. It's not like, he's not like, I don't get it. He's, he's just kind of resisting parts of it, but man, they can like take their pants off like champions. It's great. They're, they're just learning all sorts of new things. And it's, it's been a real trip for me and Jamie to be trying to teach them to do these things. You know, it's, it's, I think parents go through this a lot 
over and over and over again, where you're teaching something to your children that you do all the time, but you've never given it a thought. How do I teach this to somebody? Because you don't think about it when you do it. And all at once, it's interesting and difficult and super frustrating. I mean, I know you went through it twice. Yeah. Yeah. What you just said reminded me a little bit of, um, it was an exercise we did in middle school or high school, and I can't even remember what class, but the idea was you need to teach someone who has never made a peanut butter and jelly sandwich before how to do that. Use just using language. I've done the same exercise and how hard it is to shed the just knowledge and context that you have, because mm-hmm. you tell somebody and you know, you're skipping all these steps, just presuming they know, mm-hmm. but if they know nothing, how would you go about walking them through step by step? I'll never forget that lesson. Actually. I, my, my teacher, her name was uh, Mrs. Wanfrey. Um, she's since passed, so she's definitely not listening. I'll never forget her reading one of the instructions that one of the the kids in the class wrote. And it was like, step one, put the peanut butter on the bread. And she picked up an entire pack of unopened bread and an entire jar of unopened peanut butter and just smashed them them. together. (laughs) And uh, the kids were like, okay, I think we started, we're starting to see the lesson now. Immediately. Um, Yeah. yeah, I'll never forget that image. You know that, you know, she was excited to do that exact stunt every year Mm -hmm. and she went through all the papers until she found the one kid who who started Mm -hmm. with that step. Well, I'm glad it's going well. And once they get the hang of it, you know, it's something you'll need to do once, hopefully. Mm. Have you tried the overnight yet? Not yet. Mm -mm. And they're a little miffed when we go to put on diapers on them at night and we kind of have to sort of say to them like, like, oh, it's just really hard to get all the way through the night. And, you know, it's like no reflection on you. You're you're really great at it. <laughs> it's a weird, it's a weird little interaction that we have at night. But um, they, they might pick up on that really fast, too. Yeah, I hope so. It, it blows my mind how excited, part- particularly one of my sons, he gets just like he just skyrockets to like extreme excitement every time. And what's cute is that he, he says, I'm pee peeing, uh, which is a really cute way of saying peeing. Adorable. I don't know how, I don't know how he got it. I'm pee peeing. And it's hilarious every time. Well, on that note, we have our guest for today in our zoom waiting room. Should we keep him waiting? What do you think? Just keep him waiting. His name's Evan Ozemek Mayer. He is the Associate Director of Creative Services at Berkeley College of Music. And if you can believe it, he's also a dad. Hmm. So what are the odds? I think I'm going to hit the admit button and bring him in. Hey, Evan. How's it going? Guys? Did you did you appreciate the magazines that were in the waiting room? They were tasteful, uh, a little bit out of date, but uh, but I appreciated the variety. Evan, uh, you and I have known each other for quite a few years now. It started out from a business context and sort of slowly blossomed into a friendship. And now we're in love and are both married to other people. And we have children and that creates all sorts of complexities. You know, we're making it work, though. It's uh, it's complex, but this is this is modern dadhood. Right. So perfect. Exactly. <laughs> This is the first person who truly gets it. I he think, gets it. Uh, seriously, though, you, you've you been on my list of people that we need to get onto the podcast for a long time. And so I'm really happy that it's finally happening and uh, and that we also get a chance to talk about pee pee and poo poo. Yeah, I, I, I can't wait. I've been thinking about it for so long. 
every couple hours every day leading up until this moment. Wow. It's going to be really great. <laughs> Can you share with uh, us and our listeners a little bit about your beautiful family? Yeah. Um, so my wife and I have been together for um, going on uh, nine years now. Uh, we, we dated for a while before we were married, but um, our daughter came along two years ago. Her name is Lewis. We call her Lulu. Um, she uh-huh. uh, has strawberry blonde hair and people love calling her Lulu Lemon. And yeah, we're just like the, the three musketeers. We go everywhere. We do everything together. And honestly, Lewis is so independent and grown up that I feel like it's not two people raising a child, but rather all three of us raising each other. It's really, really cool how involved Lulu is in our lives. It's never felt like pushing the lump around. It's always been there. There we are, the three of us. It's been quite a journey. Okay. So we're here to talk about potty training, which I too, just by the way, I'm not even sure if you're aware, but I'm in the midst of still as well. I'm so, I guess on the tail end, I'm not really sure though, because maybe it's just going to go on forever, which is how it feels sometimes. So you and I have a lot of, a lot of things to discuss. And I almost feel like this is going to be Adam sort of firing questions off at both of us. But let me ask this because potty training, sometimes I think it's, it's sort of easy to think of as a black and white thing, like either they're potty trained or they're not. But us dads who are sort of going through it know that there's a lot more layers. It's much more complex, as I just stated. Like, some days I feel like, yeah. Other days I'm like, but why? And is this forever? Can you talk a little bit about where you are with Lulu right now? Yeah, yeah. Um, I have to say I'm a bit jealous that you're at the tail end of the journey because we are definitely... Uh, lacing up the boots, should I say. <laughs> um, we, we kind of started getting the vibe that Lulu was ready to start her journey a few months ago. Prior to that, you know, it was, it was 100% diaper land, uh, not even really aware that she had gone. And actually, Lewis is like super stoic. You know, some kids will go in their diaper and then just immediately lose their mind. Um, <laughs> whereas, uh, you know, Lulu's just like, Good to sit in filth, apparently. Um, and, and, yes, <laughs> I'm fine. Our this. noses work, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so we started to sense it once she started talking about it. Um, mm. Prior to that, it was, you know, okay, great. We're just going to be changing diapers for the next 18 years. So we thought, hey, maybe we could like have her feel like she's a part of the the journey, and we can start openly talking about it. And at first, it was really great. We bought the little potty, you know, next to the big potty, you know, I would sit on the potty to show her like, look, here's how we sit and it's comfortable mm-hmm. and it's nice. And mommy would do the same. And it was all working really well to the point that she got a good association with the potty. She wasn't scared of it. She didn't feel uncomfortable, but I think she liked it so much that she didn't realize there was like work to be done uh-huh. <laughs> and we didn't want to mm-hmm. stress her out. But mm-hmm. I, I also didn't want to like, be sitting next to the potty for four and a half hours. So we started kind of trying to talk her through, you know, here's what we do on the potty and trying to describe it to her. And I realized like, I don't know that I have the words to describe <laughs> what her insides feel like right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> it felt very unnatural of like, okay, mm-hmm. we talk so externally with our children. Now, how do we talk internally with them? What would you say is the overlying technique that you found the most success with? I think the biggest thing that's worked for me so far is avoiding that association with the fact that it's something bad 
because uh, that definitely happened. There were moments where she would go on the potty and then immediately it was, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Hmm. And you, know, you don't want to panic. You don't want to be like, yay, you did it. You know, because then it's just like the, they expect like that level of excitement every time. So I was kind of splitting that difference. And it was, it was a challenge, man. So at least we avoided the freak out. Now is the question of like, how do we communicate the, this is specifically what you should be doing with your body. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's been, it's been tricky. I don't know. Like what, what worked for you guys? Well, I think that jumping back to what you said at the beginning in terms of letting her, you know, take the lead on the conversation and not saying between you and Alyssa that, well, she's two and a half years old or, you know, whenever kids are supposed to start potty training. So this is what we're going to do starting now. But instead, allowing the child to sort of get the idea in their head. Anyway, we did a similar thing to you with both of our girls, six years old, three years old. We, we really let them sort of lead the charge and deciding when it was the right time for them and then just supporting them however we could. You know, it wasn't about, you know, incentivizing it with you'll get a reward if you do this. It wasn't about making them feel bad, shaming them if there was an accident. It was just reinforcing that this is what we do and this is why we do it and giving them the positive reinforcement when they do it well and they do it correctly. And just like you're saying, I've been not sort of blowing it up into this huge celebration every time. Yeah. I know when I was raised, I mean, I don't know if your parents did the same thing, but my parents always talked about how they used M&Ms and I'm like, Oh, so that's why I love M&Ms so much. No wonder. (laughs) That's why I have to eat M&Ms every time I take a dump. Every time. I mean, don't you guys keep a a bag of M&Ms in your bag? Right next, right next to the toilet. (laughs) I do have to say like part of a turning point for us, was our boys were out of daycare for a long time and we put them back in recently and it coincided pretty much with also our potty training, like our, our initial potty training endeavor, like the beginning of that journey. And it was a huge help. And I think it's for two, for two reasons. One, they're getting a little bit of that they're seeing the other kids, right? They're seeing kids who can, kids who can't, you know, kids who've got it down pat, kids who are probably scared of it, kids who are probably confident of it, but they're more or less kind of working towards like a general goal of let's get comfortable using the potty and let's, this is what it feels like, right? And so we had, so we considered that huge for us. Um, that was a, that was a big help for them to sort of be thrust into that environment. And I think the other thing too, is that we were getting a little bit of resistance at home from them. And I think, I just think like, that's not part of it when they're at daycare. And I think it's just because of like, well, everybody's kind of doing it. Um, So that was just a big help too for us. I mean, we can't take credit for that, you know, but it was a big, it was a big help. That's a, that's a really cool thing. Like, and and I think you're right. They, they are going to see like, where's everybody at and realize, Oh, we're all working toward that same goal. I'm not alone in my journey. Right. I think that was big for us with Lulu was like, we don't want to make Lulu feel singled out. Uh, and I realized that anytime we, you know, were asking her about her poo-poo when she had gone in her diaper, she was getting really embarrassed, really kind of, hmm. you know, she loves sharing everything else with us. That was the Mm -hmm. one thing that she really kind of carried as her own quiet, personal shame. Mm -hmm. And yeah, maybe that group mentality is what we need. Maybe, uh, 
maybe, I don't know, maybe Alyssa and I need to walk around in diapers ourselves and show her like, <laughs> Hey, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so funny when that you mentioned that sort of sh- like personal private shame I think about how I have these memories of my girls from really like before we were even potty training. I just remember them sneaking off to like poop in privacy, whether it was like in a closet or like they'd go upstairs under the table and hide. Like that's something that inherently they just felt. I don't want other people to to see me doing this. I want to have privacy. It's um, it's it's pretty interesting. You have to wonder if that's coded into us developmentally. Yeah. You know, there we were, the cave people in the woods and everybody said, you're going to go off as far as you can. You're going to dig a deep hole and none of us are going to know about it. Uh Yeah. Yeah. There's there's so much power in that initial reaction. Right. You find out they've I mean, like I'll just use us as an example, like. One of my sons is still having difficulty, um, like he doesn't want to poop on the potty. He's done it, but it's like not his preference, right? So we still put, we still have to put diapers on them at nap time and bedtime because it's just too long for them to go. And so one of my sons, I think he's just like in his mind, he's like, I'm just going to wait it out. I'm just going to wait it out until I get that, that nice, warm, snug diaper. And then I'm just going to let it all go. And it, and it's happened actually a couple of times where we put them down to bed. We leave the room a few minutes later, we hear him like, I pooped, you know, and it's like, can't, we can't let him sit there all night long, you know? So we got to go back in and change him. Right. But there's been a couple of times where he has sort of you know, middle of the day, we're playing, everything's good. They got their big boy underpants on and he just, all of a sudden he looks and he's like, uh, and he poops and he's like, I pooped. And it's his reaction has been very much like, I, I pooped. It, coming from him, I don't see any like, oh man, I, I feel sad or I feel ashamed or I feel, but it even still, even with that, his like very sort of even level-headed, like I didn't poop and then I pooped kind of approach to it. <laughs> it's still hard for me or my wife to not kind of like spring to action, you know? Because our I think our instinct and what we're trying to do is say like, oh, oops, we're actually supposed to put that over here in the potty, remember? But it never comes out like that. It always comes out like, oh, oops. You know, like, I don't know if it's like instinctual in us, like, oh, we want to try to catch it before it happens. But it, it's it's you're never fast enough. And it's and it's it's hard in those moments not to come at them with too much of any one emotion. You know, yeah. there's just an air of like excitement around it. Associate the feeling that you have just before that with I got to run to the bathroom and do it there. Yeah. And I, I would imagine even if it wasn't a, an accident, even that moment of, I have to poop. Like once mm-hmm. that communication starts, the spring to action, you know, the firefighter's alarm is going off, the fire is blazing. It's time to yeah. go. Um, <laughs> yeah. How do you, how do you do that with immediacy, but not urgency? Right. Right. It's tricky. I've got a, a slightly different perspective on that because my three and a half year old daughter is potty trained. She sleeps through the night, but she also does this thing. Sometimes if we're playing outside in the yard, we've got neighbors to the side and in back with kids who are similar ages. And we will kind of congregate in the yards, you know, being aware of social distancing and, and you know, everybody's kind of on the same page with our comfort level and including the kids and they do quite well. But if they're all playing together, you know, off doing something my younger daughter will, it's happened more than once that she has had to poop and she's kind of like snuck off behind a row of like bushes and pooped there. And what we're trying to figure out is, is it because she is having fun and she doesn't want to 
break away from that and go in and she wants to get right back to playing? Or is it something to do with like needing a little bit of attention, you know, once we find out about it? Is she jumping back into the play right after it's all done? Is that her, is that her move? Or is it like, Hey, something happened. And now the the script has flipped. She doesn't want us to know about it. Yeah. She will Uh, jump right back into the play. And then inevitably we'll find out sometimes very soon after sometimes hours later or the next day. Of course, like it's not the end of the world. It's something that I'd like to correct. More importantly, even I would say is just the hygiene stuff. I don't want her. I want her to go in and clean herself and wash her hands and stuff like that. So it just makes me curious about the the psychology behind it. You know, what causes her to do that and kind of be sneaky about it and then deny it when we talk about it and then eventually sort of open up when we keep like gently pressing the the issue. Yeah, I, I think that is the thing. And especially nowadays when hygiene is so top of mind for everyone, the, the notion of like washing your hands is already so important. Washing your hands now after this context of you just did this and thus the hand washing happens afterward um, is just so, so critical as a, you know, uh, a, a neat freak. I will say, Hey, good job, everybody. Way, way to catch up. Now yeah. we're all doing it. Um, but is there a song that goes along with it? Oh, there's so many songs. Uh, Elmo sings one of them and it's, uh, it's, it's super charming. Uh, it's the perfect length of, of hand-washing time. Totally, totally. And I, and I'll, I'll say we prioritize that too. And we associate a lot of positives with washing hands. And we're always talking about, you know, when one of them uses the bathroom or when our six and a half year old uses the bathroom and we know that, you know, she's closed the door, she, we hear the flush, we hear her wash and the water is on for five seconds. And then she comes out, we say, no, you need really need to go back in. You need to be really scrubbing. Like we always talk about and all, you know, all the same things that you're describing. And, um, it sort of leads to a conversation about regression. I don't know that our younger daughter is regressing with her potty training. I think she knows exactly what she's doing. She just has an ulterior motive of it's more important for me to get back into play. We just need to sort of re I think reframe the, the conversation a little bit with her. I'm just curious. Did you guys read any books or watch any specific videos in preparation for potty training. And I guess the second part of the question is, in retrospect, do you find that that was a, a useful step? Uh, interesting questions. Um, we did not read any specific books about potty training. All of the um, kind of perspective expert materials that we've read have just kind of been about all of the developmental stages of you know, okay. uh, yeah. uh, babyhood, toddlerhood. But none of them specific to potty training. Again, there's no one size fits all. Every kid is going to do things a little bit differently. Um, and that's where I've never really prescribed to the one like, this is what every child should be doing. And here are the ages it should happen. I always kind of wince a little bit when I hear that because I know every kid's wired just just that little bit differently. Um, mm-hmm. But I will say the parenting method that my wife and I follow for uh, as much as we can with Lulu is... Um, the respectable parenting method. And I think that really kind of sets the tone of how can this be a conversation, not something we're forcing upon her? How can we better understand her emotional needs so that we're not um, putting her outside of an area where she's comfortable or into a context that she doesn't fully understand? But I, I heard about a lot of other methods of potty training. Uh, there's, there's one that I just, I love the name of it. It's wonderful. It's the oh crap method. 
um, where essentially you take the diapers off and the kids are off and running and they mm. are going to have an accident and then they understand that they had an accident and oh crap. And I don't know, that always felt super duper stressful to me. Uh, again, I'm not going to shame anybody who did it. Seriously, whatever stops you from changing diapers. Uh, if it works, it works. <laughs> I see you raising your hand. That's I'm, you I'm raising my hand because so that would be, that's the one book and I forget the name of the author. Yeah. The Oh Crap Potty Training. That's the one book that I read most of. And that is a method that we tried. We went through several phases and several tactics. The book that you were referencing, uh, I, I pulled it up, is called Oh Crap Potty Training. Everything Modern Parents Need to Know to Do It Once and Do It Right. The author is Jamie Glowacki. Yep. And we we tried that. We built them up a little bit the night before. Tomorrow, we're going to we're going to throw away your diapers for the day and we're going to try the potty and we're going to be naked all day long. And that was going to be the thing that was supposed to help us pick up the signals a little bit faster, maybe. And obviously one signal is really easy, which is if they just start peeing, you see it immediately. Right. But um, I, I still with that, I still had such a hard time really seeing the signals. And it, I think my wife picked it up faster than I did. Um, that's where we started. So I can't say that that would be stressful for everybody. Um, we also had two at once. And so it's virtually impossible to keep both your eyes on both kids at all times. Did you so pick a kid of, and then say, okay, this is, this is my zone. I'm going to stick with yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's why when we started it, we started it on the weekend so that we both could be there and we could both you know, sort of like you said, like pick a kid. All right. You've got that one. I've got this one, like eyes on. Um, but that, I mean, that only lasts for so long in a day. I mean, I think, and, and that's just, I don't know if that's just, uh, what happens when you have more than one kid or what happens when you have twins, but it just, it, every time we say that, okay, you've got that one and I've got this one that lasts for about a half an hour. <laughs> and then it's just, Okay, free for all, you know. <laughs> Wait, they didn't they don't have to pee at exactly the same time? Yeah, no. Is can that you not- believe it? Can you believe that? What a what With a pain. Twins. One thing that I I I noticed and I would almost give this advice if someone were to ask. There is so much on the internet. There's so much on YouTube. There are so many differing opinions that once you go down that that path of like I'm going to try to get information from here. It just became maddening. And I, at every turn, I kept trying to tell myself, now, dude, your kids are your kids and they're going to react the way they react. You know, there's there's no set rule, but I got so used to seeing YouTube clips titled potty training in two days, how I potty train my kids in four days, how I did this in the best method, the this, the that, the other thing, that it was really hard not to get to day four five, six, and seven, and be like, damn it. All these other people did it in two days. All these other people did it in four days. Like, what are we doing wrong? And I know very well that to take it as it comes and your kids are going to take however long your kids are going to take. Well, also, and we, we, we know so much of that stuff is clickbait too, right? Like the more people that click on that because they're desperate and they want to body train in two days, the more money that somebody's going to make off advertising. Yep. Yeah. And also uh, you could probably know if it's a 22 minute video on potty training, uh, there's probably a good 45 seconds of choice information in that video. <laughs> right. Right. right, right. <laughs> and I mean, regression, you know, it, it happens at every age. I mean, 
sleep regression, eating regression, potty training regression. They're always like lurking like a specter behind us. Um, and we, we've definitely hit that. I, the interesting thing for Lulu was she was really on an awesome potty training path for a long while. And then she is now in the care of a nanny with um, an, another two-year-old and a, a little bitty infant. And I'm not going to lie, ever since being with that infant, her potty training has kind of regressed a little bit. She's less yeah. active in our diaper changes. She listens less. There's a lot of like baby mimicry happening happening in our house. Mm-hmm. And that I makes, think that makes perfect sense. Yeah. I think it's stemming from like, hey, little baby gets the attention, doesn't have to like doesn't have to think uh, about what they're doing quite as much and, and, and aren't they sweet. So that's something I, I, I've thought about a, a bunch because our, so our kids are this exact same age, right? So they're going, they're going through, they exhibited the signs at the same time. They're going through it. They one grasped it a little bit sooner than the other, but I've wondered like, Adam, did, did you experience that with your kids being what, three years apart? Right. So when the younger one's going through it, did you notice things happening with the older child? I don't specifically remember our six and a half year old regressing when, I mean, I think she probably regressed in some other ways, just in terms of like independent play and stuff like that, you know, mm-hmm. needing more attention. But I think that's that, I think it's all, it, it's all natural, but I don't think that she really took any noticeable, meaningful steps back in terms of potty stuff yeah. when the baby came along. But I, although we're not experts, like I, I totally feel comfortable offering this to any dads listening that it's totally okay if you do get a ways down that path and see, see regression, or if you do get a ways down the path and the timing isn't right and you need to stop for a month or two months and then get back into it. Like you've been saying, Evan, I think you just need to sort of feel it out and and do what's right for you and be as um, open and you know honest with your conversations with your toddler as you can be. Yeah. I, we take comfort in, I, I think, you know, if nothing else, it's really great talking to other dads about this uh, or just anyone uh, who has gone through this journey um, to know that like, a, Hey, you're kind of figuring it out as you go. Um, but also B that there's no one moment or else that's it. You know, I have yet to meet anyone who's, 40 years old and says, well, you know, I, uh, that my parents missed the window and, uh, and here I am time for a diaper change, everybody. Yep. Um, where's my diaper? Uh, so I'm sorry, this is super embarrassing, but I'm going to just excuse myself to change my diaper. I'm sorry. Could you, could you reach the A and D behind you? Thank you. <laughs> I think the spirit of all of this is we're just trying to be really conversational with her rather than prescriptive. You know, I, I know there are a lot of methods, uh, you know, uh, in terms of um, like parenting guides and, and, and experts and whatnot, really my, rather than patterning on like this explicit way of doing this or that, mm. our biggest charge with Lulu is just making sure that it's a conversation. It's so nutty, crunchy, cheesy to say that like, we're all on a journey. I am a participant in this journey. I'm not just dragging her through the sand. All of us have taken this journey. There's no right or wrong answer. And as long as I'm not mentally scarring her, then uh, then we're, we're, we're doing something right. So I, I'm happy about that. Evan, I don't know how you did it, man, but you found a way to wax philosophical on the subject of potty training. And we we appreciate it. It's been fun. Yeah, this has been fun. Evan, good luck on the final stages of potty training. We hope to catch up with you soon. Stay healthy.
Absolutely. I wish the same to both of you. Man, when that music comes in, it's a cue. It's a cue that we're at the end of an episode. Mm. Sometimes I'm excited to hear the music. Sometimes it just makes me sad to know that we're going to have to stop talking to one another on Zoom. Especially when we're talking about poops and peas and yeah, I could the yellows and browns. Talk and about it for days. <laughs> Dads, you can find Modern Dadhood at our website, moderndadhood.com or on any major podcast platform and some minor ones too. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and now on Amazon Podcasts. Mm, check it out. <laughs> Another way that you can help us a lot is to tell your friends about Modern Dadhood and encourage them to subscribe. The word of mouth thing really does help more than you could ever know. Yeah, and also feel free to drop us a line at hey, H-E-Y, at moderndadhood.com. Tell us uh, what you like about the show. Tell us what you dislike about the show, but be kind. And uh, also, do you have topics that you want us to talk about? Uh, we're always looking for new material and, and new things to discuss, and um, and so we, we welcome that from you. Major thank you to Casper Baby Pants and to Spencer Albee for our Modern Dadhood music. To our friend Pete Morse at Red Vault Audio for bringing forth all of the right frequencies and making us sound similar, even though we're in different places. And to our intern, Miles Kruzberg Rosine. Miles, who likes animation. Intern, intern fact. <laughs> That was a really weak fact, but you know, he's new. He's new. We're new. We're still learning each other. So there'll be better intern facts as we move forward. And as we like, you know what? Oh, no, you go. No, no, you. Oh, no, you go. And as we like to say to round out every episode, one, two, three. Thank Thank you. You for, man, that was weak. Thank, thank Thank you. you. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. Right off the top of your mind, grossest, funniest thing that comes to your mind, go. Poopy. Diarrhea. Boogers in the earwax and the slimy eyeball and the hairy armpit.